to the show where we connect with some of the most inspiring individuals in our community on leadership, giving, and their approach to changing the world. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Val, and I'm so excited about today's show. As you know, on this podcast, I often get to be joined by some incredible Rotarians to lead these important discussions. And today we are welcoming back our very first guest to join me as co-host. In episode one, we chatted with Jeff Hughes about the launch of Rotary Club Connect and being change makers in the space. Jeff is a longtime Rotarian. He's a business owner and has played a huge role in the evolution of how we look at community from both a club level and a district level. Just a reminder that this podcast is run by Rotary Calgary Connect. We are a young club looking to connect in new and inspiring ways. And we hope that this podcast is a meaningful addition to whatever it is you're listening to. So Jeff, take it away. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Val. And I'm I'm happy to be back. Um, happy to be on the other side of the mic, not answering the tough questions, but hopefully asking the tough questions. Um, you know, it's it's again being on the other side of the mic because the um the gentleman that I'm going to be interviewing today is somebody that I've I've known for quite some time. Um, he's been a mentor of mine and uh, there's been many a breakfast in the Flying J restaurant where Dan sat there and asked some very questions about where I needed to go and some of the stuff that I've, I've, I've struggled with in um, my professional career, my personal life and, and, and in community. And so um, I'm excited to be on this side of the mic um, asking some of these questions. Uh, as today is Dan Doherty, um, you know, gosh, where do you even start or how to label Dan? Past district governor, club president, uh, Riley chair, which is where I met him. Um, you know, Dan's been a, a member of Rotary and I, my math might be a little wrong, but I think we're edging up on 40 years as a, a Rotarian. Um, and I, I wouldn't even know how to figure out how long he's been involved in community. But I think knowing Dan, it's probably been a lifetime commitment since the minute he came out of the womb. Um, during his time with Rotary, you know, Dan's been involved in a ton of great initiatives, uh, including leading um, home building projects in, Mex in Mexico. Uh, most recently or more recently supporting a uh, fellow Rotarian and, and his wife in um, the battle against and in polio. Um, and, and of course, engaging in, in many programs, including youth services. And uh, as I mentioned, Rilo, where I, I really got to get to know Dan and really got to get to know Rotary. So Dan, we're, um, we're happy to have you on the show and, and welcome. Let's dive right in. So, you know, Dan... A few years ago, you um, you and I and a number of members of the Rotary Club of Calgary West sat down to talk about what would our theme be this year? And there was all these ideas that were coming out and they were expected ideas. And then we got into this conversation and we started to ask each other and ourselves, you know, define your Rotary moment. And, you, you know, when you become a Rotarian, it's it's not necessarily when you come to your first meeting or it's not when you sign the check um, for your membership, it's not when you get your name badge, it's not after your first year, um, but there's always a moment in somebody's life that it, it switches them and, it, and, and they become a lifelong Rotarian. You know, for me, it was my involvement in, in the youth programs and specifically Ryla. Um, but what was your moment, um, you know, in the last 40 years, what was the one thing that said, um, 
I'm here and I'm here for life. You know, I, I really, I really don't know if I can highlight one thing, but, but the reality is it's um, when you allow yourself to live in the moment and when you're experiencing something or doing something in the community or with a, with a community member or somebody in need and and you don't even need to say here a thank you. All you need to do is look in their eyes and, and, and embrace the moment. And, you know, through the years, in so many of those kinds of experiences, you know, we, in RILA, you know, in the Rotary Youth Leadership Program, where we have a lot of young leaders that were coming from all over the province and all, all different uh, ethnicity and gender and, 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 some of the things that we heard and, 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 and we experienced with some of the youth and what they were doing in their lives really woke, woke me up a lot to, to uh, understanding that if we're going to help anybody, first we have to have the people that we want to serve in the room with us. And the people that have a life experience and be able to listen to what they're doing, not, not to sit and judge and do whatever, but, but to just listen. And, you know, we, we, had, we had students that were, you know, they're leaders in their community or seem to be, and they were, they were thinking of suicide, or they knew of people who had committed suicide, or they, they were in those dark moments. And, and to be able to sit and listen and to help them through those kinds of things, you know, that, that's what, what this is all about. Another, on an international basis, you know, you talked about homes in Mexico, but my first uh, program when I was over in Ethiopia doing a polio immunization program, and my first drops of life were to this little guy, you know, he, he was all dressed, he was maybe two years old, but he had all his ceremonial garb on and even had the little knife with him, and his mom was just beautiful in, in, in her in her, her dress and whatever. And when I gave those drops of life, the, the mother started to cry because to her, they were the drops of life. And that's where I got the word, words from. To me before, it was just the drops, polio drops, vaccination. But those are the drops of life. And it, it's those kinds of moments when you start to live in the moment that, that you become a Rotarian, I think. Mm, that's great. I um. I can appreciate where you're coming from and you, you know rotary it sounds like for you has been a, a collection of all of these moments that um have helped you recognize i think too um, and give you perspective of your own life and so why don't you tell us a little bit about you know as you're as you're giving drops of life or you're talking to um 16 year olds that are so far beyond their own their own age and maturity um how has that changed your perspective on, on the rest of the world or on your own life? Um, and I'm sure there's been lots of moments of that, but tell us a little bit about it. Listening to a 16 year old, you know, it, it's uh, the words of wisdom and the, the, the thoughts that come out of, uh, out of young people is, is, is amazing. And, and it always forces me to reflect on my own, my own journey. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'm the, you know, I'm the, the young guy that everybody knew that my hair was down to my shoulders. And I was in ponytails and uh, 
I, I probably, uh, I, I looked like somebody reincarnated because it, it was just that, that look of the time. And, and, and I, I was going to challenge the world. I was going to change the world. And a lot of my generation were going to do that. And, and we all got caught up in starting our businesses and driving business and doing those sorts of things. And sometimes it, take, it takes a young person to challenge my thoughts or to challenge what, you know, I assume to be the realities to, to bring me back and, and get me grounded again. And, and I think that's, that's a real important thing. And, um, I think I used the line a little bit earlier. It's allow yourself to live in the moment. And, and it's incredibly important that, that we do that and, and that, that we, we listen to people to learn, that we don't listen to debate and argue and, and get our philosophical opinions across, but we listen to learn. And, and the more I do that, the more engaged I become, the, the more my own personal life has grown and, and uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, a couple of those moments that you've, you've outlined I'm sure, and, and kind of aligning with some of your thinking around when I was younger, you know, I, I looked at the world a little differently. And I've, as I've grown, I, I hear you actually say, I continue to look at the world differently. And a lot of these seem really unexpected moments. Um, you know, aside from the two or the couple that you've outlined, what, what was one of the most unexpected moments that you've received through Rotary in the, the last nearly 40 years? What's one that actually really took you back and took your breath away? You know, it's something simple. You know, we, one of my first trips to Mexico uh, to build homes, you know, I was, I'm not sure I was doing it for all the right reasons. I, I was going because it sounded like a cool thing to do to go and build and do something and, and build a home for a family in need. And then I met the family. And, and uh, we arrive in this spot in rural Mexico and, and the father, Juan Carlos, he was, he was blind. And he was blind because of cataracts in his eyes and, and um, calcified. And, and, and the mom, so he couldn't work. So there's no income coming in. The mom, mom worked in a, uh, uh, in a hotel as a cleaner. And she was maybe making $120 a month US. And then out of the out of the back room came their little daughter. Well, actually, back room, it was an old trailer that the floor was rotting out, but she came out and she was the saddest, man, it was the saddest looking young lady you've ever seen, 16 years old and just disheveled. And she couldn't go to school because they couldn't afford for her to go to school. And so she was at home. Well, that night, um, after we'd kind of met the family and we started building their home, I went to, I went to a Rotary meeting in, in uh, this was in Ensenada, and, and started talking to the Rotary Club. And I gave a little speech. I tried to do it in Spanish, not very well, but I, I made myself understood. But at the end of it, that, that meeting, uh, Rotarian came up to me and said, you know, hey, you know, I'm a doctor. We we could we could we could operate on Juan Carlos, and and you know if we if we could find a thousand dollars, it normally costs more than that, but we could find a thousand dollars. I could do that operation. 
And in that room, all of a sudden, you saw Rotarians and people in that room grabbing $20, $40, $50. And before, before you knew it, we had the $1,000. And right behind, right behind the doctor, up came a principal in the school, uh, of a school, and a Rotarian. And he just said, hey, you know, if, if, we could, if we could raise a bursary of about 500 bucks, we could get Anna into school. I'll, I'll monitor it. I'll pay the fees as she goes and does her thing. And, and uh, so we did. We, we raised that. didn't raise it that night, but we, we raised the money. We set up this bursary. But two years later, we went back to that same region. And uh, we had, uh, we, first thing we did was I wanted to go out and, and see how, Juan Carlos and his family were doing. I hadn't even got out of my foot out of the truck, out of the Jeep, and, and Juan Carlos was running, Danny, Danny, look what I've done. Look what I've done. And what he had done, obviously, he'd had the eyes operation done, and you could see what he had added to his home that we built, and he did a beautiful job. And in the backyard, he said, come see my business. He called it a parts depot. You and I would call it a dump, right? <laughs> but he called it a parts depot. And he was making, he was making up to $200 a month selling parts out of his parts depot. The mom came out of the room, out of the house, house and she just was flourishing. And she was still working at the hall, still making her kind of money. So now it's $200 plus $150, $350 a month now. And then, and then Anna arrived this beautiful young woman who had just finished her high school degree and she specialized in, her, in that in beauty culture. She cut my hair that night. And it was the most, and she was making something like $120 a month. So look what we did to that family's income. And when we left, there's lots of tears and lots of hugs and kisses and in celebration, but the father said, you know, thank you for giving me my manhood. Thank you for allowing me to support my family. Thank you for my sight. And that's when you know you're a Rotarian. Dan, how many years ago did this happen? And I ask because this isn't the first time I've heard this story. And I, I might even suggest it was at least 10 years ago that I heard this story. This, that would be uh, 15 years ago. Yeah. Maybe, so I, maybe no, no, it'll be 17 years ago because we've done 15 trips to Mexico. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's incredible because I, I would even say maybe it was 15 years ago you told me the story and your story hasn't changed and the fact that you still recognize or remember the names and the story so vividly. I mean, I, I asked you at the very beginning, what's your rotary moment? And you said, I don't know if I can define one. And I, I might even argue that this was your rotary moment. I just, I haven't heard the story before. So it's so inspiring to me to just listen to you talk about all your experiences um, over your time being a Rotarian. And sometimes I think we, 
talk a lot about what it's like to be part of the club or what the club's role is or even our district. I just want to know, like, what does being part of Rotary mean to you? What does, you know, Rotary mean to you as an individual? You know, when I was younger, I think it was, hey, this is a cool way to get involved in the community. Today, it's just who I am. And, it, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not a matter, you know, a lot of people un, don't understand why or how or, you know, why I do a lot of things that we do. But again, it comes back to that, that, that defining moment when you allow yourself to say, yes, I'm going to do this. Allow yourself to enter a, a position that you're probably not comfortable with and, and allow yourself live in that moment and 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 um and that's still hard at times you know i got a lot i mean i was because of rotary i was uh, on the board and chair of uh accessible housing which is a group for quadriplegics and this is kind of a an eye-opener for me too because you're dealing with and working with uh young people who have had this catastrophic injury and they're now quadriplegics and you watch people deal with them and, and we become so uncomfortable. And I, and I found myself, I was so uncomfortable with my own health and my own position in life that at first I had a hard time talking to and engaging with the people in the chair. And, and uh, a lot of you, you'll, you'll know Rick Hansen. Well, I, I, when I was chair of accessible housing, I had, my daughter was quite young at the time and, I took her to one of my board meetings because you have to babysit while Marlene's doing something else. And uh, she, she called uh, she called Jamie Rick Hansen instead of Rick Hansen. And uh, uh, Rick Hansen ended up uh, taking us for a ride in his uh, in his van that he drove using head things and a little toggle. And, you know, it was, again, it was an experience that you kind of took, holy smokes, right? You, you allow yourself to live in the moment. You see, you see things from their perspective. It just really changed things. And, and then, you know, getting people to shake their hand or do those types of things. You know, it's, it's uh, and that's the toughest thing, I think, that young Rotarians or young people or uh, I think people in general, have a difficulty accepting their their privilege and where they're coming from and allow themselves not to judge what they see, but to try to experience it and live from it and learn from it. You know, Dan, you, you talk a lot about things that Rotarians have done around the world. And as you're talking right now about what I would almost kind of coin as um, taking the comfortable and making it uncomfortable. And, and for us as a, as a society and as a community and as a world to move forward, we have to be uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Um, we're at a very, what I kind of consider is a, a considerable and, and critical point in our country and the world. You know, over the last couple of years, Black Lives Movement, um, or Black Lives Matter Movement, um, the Truth and Reconciliation, um, you know, things that maybe have been um, noise but never brought to the forefront have been brought to the forefront and we're seeing great change. And um, 
it's, it's a very important time, I think, for all of us. So what role, and that's probably not the right word, what responsibility does Rotary and Rotarians have in this change and, and moving forward as a, as a community together? Well, you know, you, you hit on a lot of things you know that I'm working on and, and very actively engaged in, but I'm a born and raised Calgarian, born and raised Canadian. I love my country. I love my city. I don't like it right now. And, you know, I, I grew up during the 60s and 70s when it was quite, you know, fractured and there was lots of lots of writing and change, you know, things were going to change and, and um, you know, the Martin Luther Kings of the world and all those types of things that who are my heroes, right? And he, here we are 50 years later and we've got the same issues, but I've never seen, I've never seen Calgary as fractured as it is today. And it's fractured among, on social, economic, lines, uh, racial lines, uh, uh, religious tensions, all kinds of different things. And, and we've polarized ourselves. And the one thing that we've really lost is ability to have dialogue and diversity of thought. You know, what we do is if somebody disagrees with us today, that we demonize them, right? And, you know, we've, we've got all these kinds of things happening. We've lost the ability to have discussion. You know, we, there's lots of talk about diversity. I'm not a diversity freak because I, that's just checking a, a box. I, I, I'm a real, I'm, my focus is about inclusion and equity. You know, inclusion, inclusion. Diversity is, yeah, okay, they've got a different color, different gender. Yeah, okay, we check the box. Boom, right? That doesn't do anything. Include, inclusion means, hey, hey, uh, Valerie, we're, we're, you're invited to the dance now, right? Equity is you get to play your own music. And we have difficulty having that discussion. And I think that Rotary, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this now, we, we, we have become over the years, uh, especially when I was district governor, I found that Rotary was moving towards this pompistic attitude that we knew how to solve the problems. And we would solve it with money and checks and, and whatever. Well, money's not the solution. We don't even know what the problem is. And I think, again, it's, it's getting people. Rotary's role today is to be the leaders in this transformative change where we have the people that we want to serve, the people with life experiences in the room with us. You know, I, uh, uh, because of my work with the South Sudanese community in Calgary, I was invited, I spoke at the Black North Initiative program that they had. And it was really, it was really fun because they introduced me and they'll say, well, you'll notice that uh, Dan's not a brother, but uh, he doesn't see color. Right? But even though I talked during part of it, I did more listening because again, it, it shocks me because I don't understand the attitudes, but my vice president at my business, uh, Clifton McPherson is from Jamaica. And uh, 
He lives in, in Toronto, quite a good area. His 16-year-old son, this is in the last three months, has been stopped driving home because he shouldn't be in that neighborhood. His, girl, his son's girlfriend uh, is taking her uh, master's or PhD in neural something or other in, in an Eastern university in Quebec. And when she went to pick up the keys for her apartment, the landlord said, oh, I didn't know you were black. We'll have to have a police check. So here's Rotary's role, is when we hear things that aren't right, we need to question that. Don't need to necessarily challenge and argue, but we need to say, help me understand why you believe that. And to have a dialogue to say, how do, you know, how do we bring groups together? I love that you've taken the time to really listen to so many different persons. And I think that that's such an important thing to to shape your views and to um, be very thoughtful about the role you play in, in community. Like you mentioned, it's, it's a challenging time and there's so much happening. And so for people that might, you know, not um, know where to start or, you know, how to help, like, What's your, where did you start? How did you start to understand that you needed more perspective, that you needed more um, dialogue and understanding of people with lived experience, as opposed to kind of coming at it with solutions already in place or thinking that that doesn't happen here. Um, where did you just start with that? And, and how did you shape your, your view over your time as a Rotarian? It's, it's been a journey. Actually, it's, it's been a real journey. And, and when I first got out of university, you know, I was a jock. Right? At least the older I get, the better I was. You know, I played university football, but I, I really wasn't that good. But but I, so I really thought I had some athletic things going on. So I volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club as a counselor in the evenings. It's the first time in my life because, I, you know, we grew up quite poor. My dad was an immigrant, an Irish immigrant. We were quite poor. But I never knew we were poor but I never went wanting for anything and I, I really because of my age my gender and uh, uh, my color uh, I, I I had a lot of privilege but I, I when I volunteered the boys and girls club and I was just fresh out of university 21 22 years old uh, I met a group of kids uh, that had life experiences that I just couldn't imagine you know somebody that had he was under his third mom and his you know, and his second dad, he didn't have his natural mom or dad in his life anymore. And, you know, and it was then I started to realize, holy smokes, you know, I really don't even understand the problems. Right. And then and then you, you go through life. And then I, you know, the accessible housing thing was a huge eye opener for me. Right. And to, to see people there. And then then I got involved with Hull Child Family Services and and uh, I ended up being chair of the board there. But but again, you're dealing with kids that are, you know, with the purple hair and the earrings and the the things and all that kind of stuff. And people wouldn't even sit and listen to them. And, and you start to understand that they are the victim. They're not the bad. They're not the problem here. They're the victim. And then you realize that the fundamental issue behind a lot of these, these situations is poverty. 
when people can't afford a meal, you know, and they, they have to work two or three jobs in, in, uh, to, to make ends meet and these latch kids, you know, latchkey kids become the problem because their parents are never there. Well, what's the fundamental problem? It's not the kid, right? And, uh, and I, I'm going to be honest too, right now, you know, the whole Indigenous thing is, is very personal to me. Um, my, my son's uh, father-in-law um, is a residential school survivor. Therefore, my two granddaughters are Indigenous. My two granddaughters are experiencing resi- uh, prejudice in their elementary school. They've experienced it personally. So this whole journey with our Indigenous community isn't, isn't about money. It's about, it's about basic fundamental issues and things that we all want our children to be safe and happy and, and not judged by what they look like and, and this color of their skin, right? So yeah, it's a journey. But again, it, it's one that for me, it could have been very easy to just ignore, right? Even in my business, right? Uh, I've, got, I've got about 50 people working for me. And um, we're, we're one of the first organizations uh, in Calgary to sign up to the uh, uh, Living Wage Coalition, where we're going to have everybody in our, on our team, or we're going to be earning, the minimum they'll have is a living wage, which is different than minimum wage. Minimum wage, I think, is sixteen fifty, and and I think living wage right now is twenty one eighty in in Calgary. But you know what? Everybody, you know, a lot of my friends can't figure me out. You're a capitalist, but you're what? what you, how can you have a social conscience? Well, at the end of the day, my capitalism kind of ruled there because I've got my people are uh, work better, they're they're uh, healthier, they're not as stressed at work, and you know, so I'm actually winning financially, but. But, you know, it's allowing yourself to make those kinds of decisions that are different than the norm. You know, Dan, you just, you touched on a lot of incredible things. And, um, you know, you talked about how you volunteered at the Boys and Girls Club when you were still in university and when you thought you were a good athlete. And I, I will say over the 15 years that I've known you, the way you talked about how good of an athlete you were 15 years ago is a little different than you are today um and and even touching on your business which is it's been really neat for me um i think you've been at curve for 10 12 13 years which means i actually have been able to watch all of it and be a part of when you know you were four or five people sitting around a boardroom table and into a company of of 50 now so you know a lot of people get involved in community and um, organizations like Rotary, uh, because they, they want to give back or whatever the reason they want to meet new people. It doesn't really matter, but they get involved. And in a lot of cases, they give so much and then life hits. Um, they have a family, they get married, they have kids. Uh, maybe it's more responsibility at work. Maybe it's starting a company. Um, you know, I've watched you go through just in 15 years, so much incredible change. And then I think about the decades before that, um, you know, things that you've done in business, you've had a family, um, kids, grandkids, um, you've 
done so much in Rotary from being president to DG to the work that you're doing now at, at Zone. Um, how, how have you done it? How have you found that way to balance life and work and all of this stuff and community? I mean, I, I think the question's really easy. How, how does Dan do that? The, real, the reality is, is allow yourself to live in the moment again. And, and, and you know, the one thing that, that, that bothers me, uh, you know, my faith is really important to me as well as Rotary and all that kind of stuff. And, and I always struggle with individuals that try to compartmentalize their values and, and what they believe and how they act, you know, They've got their values at home and what's important to them. They've got their values in their service community and they got their values at work. And I think, I think all those need to be consistent right across the board. And if you live those consistently and you don't compartmentalize your concern for somebody else or each other. And, you know, my kid, we've taught really hilarious because Marlene and I, we had four kids and, and two of them teachers now and one's work for me now and, and uh, one's over in New Zealand. And how the heck did we do it? Well, the reality is they were so much a part of our life. As I said, mentioned earlier, you know, my daughter came to me with the board meetings with accessible housing. My, uh, our kids have been to the Homes of Hope trip to Mexico with us. Uh, they volunteer with us. We set up a, a satellite, Marlene and I set with through our Rotary Club and the church, we set up a satellite food bank and they're there volunteering with us. It, it's so, so they didn't know any different because dad's going to do some volunteer stuff or dad's going over to Hull. You know, when I, we lived in Woodbine and Hull, the main campus is, was right there. And, and they were there with us uh, doing the stampede breakfast and, and meeting the kids. And, and, and um, you know, during the day, I do compartmentalize my world. I, this time is focused on this. This time is focused on that. And this time. So I, 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 I've been good at managing it. But again, I can't, I can't separate them because they're all part of who I am. And it, it comes back to my, that. What I said really early in this talk is that we need to live our talk. And it's not walking the talk or it's not, you know, talking the talk, it's living the talk. And if you live that, it becomes who you are, not what you do. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, you're right, I think. Um, and all the time that I've known you, uh, you know, at Ryla, um, when we when we were working on that together, you know your your kids were there at the end of the weekend celebrating. Um, you know, Marlene, your wife is now a Rotarian, and, and she's an, president of Calgary West. And I was about to say an incredibly accomplished Rotarian. Um, your daughter was one of my first hires. Um, I had a time where I could barely afford to yeah. these together. Um, you know, I uh, you just talked about. Um, living your talk. And I want to explore that uh, a little bit more and what that means. And, um, you know, I think that's something you've done very well. Uh, if, 
if I could say one thing about you and our relationship and anyone that's come along for Dan's ride, it's a whirlwind because you're always trying to change something. And once you get something to a great point and everyone goes, okay, the dust is settled. We got to where we need to go. You're going, let's make it even better. And I think um, it's been one of the most endearing and personally speaking, sometimes frustrating things about you. Um, but I, I'm curious, let's dive into what this all means and um, how we apply it in, in day-to-day life, because you're right, it's easy to talk the talk and walk the walk, but let's dive into this a little deeper. Change, you know, it's one of the most difficult things, but it, but life is about change. and Life is about uh, constant uh, evolution. And, and, you know, I'll, I'll use, I'll use Ryla as an example where, you know, we had, we, we had arguably one of the best programs in uh, North America in Ryla. And, and we were able, you and I both at different times were able to present how and what we did. And every time we did, did one of those programs and we got engaged with kids, we saw that, yeah, we, we connected with eight out of 10 of the kids, but there's a two that were just kind of, they just weren't there yet. We weren't, we weren't giving them what they needed. And, and if you continually focus on what the needs are and how the needs are changing, you'll improve and you'll get better. And, and I think that that was, that was the, the real strength that we had at, at Ryla in that program. And, and as we evolved it, and we, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you started, you know, it was your first year in Rotary, you know, kind of getting yourself into this thing and holy smokes. And, and then, yeah, okay, I, I put the hook in and you were, you were along for the ride. But, but, you know, as we evolved it, we had the young people who were the leaders there starting to run the program. And now it's evolved that one of the first ones that when your first ones there, they're now the chair of the Ryla program. And, and it, it, it just shows that, that uh, you, lead, you lead by serving. You don't lead by dictating and telling and, and what to do, right? And I think that that's, if there, there's a message in that, I mean, the, the motto behind Rotary is service above self. And I find that in Rotary clubs, and especially when I did district governor and going into clubs that were in trouble, it became, the issues were really in clubs where self became more important than service. And focused on individual needs and, you know, this is the way we do it. But if we really get focused on service and serving people, then we serve by being beside them. Right? We don't serve by dictating. So, you know, I am um, the Rila program, which uh, you were chair of, um, was one of the best in North America. And as it grew, it ended up, I think, being one of the best in the world. And you're right. I, I joined Rotary. I sat at a table. Someone said, What's an area you want to get involved in? I said, Youth. And all of a sudden, I'm flying under Dan's wing. And um, I learned a lot uh, from you, and I also learned a lot um, from programs like Rilo, where I, uh, you know, you you talked about how we we actually built a program that ended up being run by people that went through it. Um, 
for me, that came out of necessity because you would always run this thing on your own. And I tried to do it on my own for a year and um, ended up more or less in tears trying to organize this thing. And I was like, I can't do this by myself anymore. Um, but, you know, as I've, I've gone through a lot of um, volunteer community initiatives, Rotary um, and other, other community boards that I've been a part of and volunteering opportunities, I've learned a lot. And, um, you know, we join these to give back to community, to be a part of community. Uh, but there's, there's a little bit of selfishness that comes out of it as well. And um, I learned a lot about leadership in Rotary. I've learned a lot about how to manage people properly, how to build teams. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was, I was told a little while ago that I'm a, I'm a servant leader because I like to get in and get dirty and be along with, beside it with everybody else. And that's something that I learned from Rotary. Um, what's, you know, looking at yourself, you know, aside from obviously the impact and the way that's made you feel um, uh, with your impact and what you've been able to do in community, what else have you taken away from being so involved in community? You know, there's obviously networking. I talk about leadership, but what's something that goes even just beyond giving back? I think that one of the most incredible gifts that I've been given is the friendships and the relationships that I've built uh, in my life. And, you know, I just had that big celebratory 65th birthday. And, and the people... Marlene organized a, a little open house and the people that came um, really, I mean, I had my football buddies back from high school university days. I had university buddies. There was people that used to work for me in other businesses. There was, there was, you know, my, my work people, there was people from the community. There was the Sudanese. I mean, there was the most eclectic group. I had phone calls from uh, Malawi and, and uh, Uganda, Ethiopia. I had phone calls from Italy, from Peru, and and the the friend and, and they're they're not. It's those kinds of friends that you know you you um, you don't see them or talk to them in a while, but as soon as you're have any kind of connection, it's just the energy is there and. And I think that, you know, it, it comes back to that book. I think I've told you about it, Jeff, The Celestine Prophecy. It's a terrible book. You know, I read it between uh, Toronto and Calgary on the plane. And, but the premise behind it's amazing is that we're all energy. It's all about energy. And, and uh, there's, there's people that you meet and you have a conversation and, you know, you, you met them feeling okay. You left feeling okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, and then you meet some people and you have a dialogue and you leave and you just, whoa, you just got pumped and you're ready to rock and roll and get going. And a lot of my friends are that way. I mean, I just get, I get my energy from people, but then there's those black holes of energy that you meet them and you were feeling good until you talk to them and then sucks the air right out of you and the energy right out of you. And the one gift I've got in my life is the, the number of people in my life that are energy givers and 